0: Human beings have neither the oral nor the psychological capacity to withstand the awesome power of God's true voice.
1: Theology unplugged. Hermeneutics. Herman, who? The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil
0: men. Theology
1: unplugged.
0: I mean, uh, if God is omniscient, If he knows everything, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't, then he must have known, even before the creation of the world, the names of those who will be saved.
1: Theology unplugged. Only let my errors be proven by scripture. Theology unplugged.
0: Would you guys agree that Christianity is defined so much in how we act, but we do have some definite theological markers?
1: Theology unplugged. Here we huh?
0: welcome Hi. back welcome back to the program welcome
1: <laughs> back this is theology unplugged but and i'm joined by Chris carrie hunter and the
0: philosopher night. resident philosopher at large can we call you that
1: yeah the t's in a lot can we call him? <laughs> <thing>? got him <laughs> on the spot the, the, welcome large philosopher, back. Or
0: the philosopher at large and we're the singing. large philosopher would be saint Thomas Aquinas. yeah the,
1: yeah. Big, the dumb ox yeah. yeah that's what they called him
0: uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for being here. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about?
1: My pleasure. Uh, we're
2: wrapping up classical apologetics uh, yeah, we we on our series. It. So the, the last one we it, just are, sort of briefly discussed. Oh, we on discuss. a
0: critique of it yet? Yeah. We, yeah.
2: Well, we're actually going to go over those arguments. As I said in the last briefly. episode, briefly give a, a couple of minutes to each mm-hmm. argument. So... Uh, people can be al- at least fam- for those who aren't familiar already they can understand what these arguments entail yeah. and then we're gonna address the the sort of the weaknesses and the things we have to contend with okay. when we employ those arguments mm-hmm. so okay. we, said,
1: we said last time that uh, this emphasizes reason uh, as a voice everyone hears as a basic fundamental human thing revealed to all people you we all reason we can't help but do it and because that is so, there is something that we share with all people the capacity to see things. Not see things necessarily with our eyes, but with our mind's eye. To this grasp. Is very good. I, this, is, this is like,
0: you write this down, man. That's, yeah, yeah. This yeah. Take, feel free to take reading notes. somewhere.
1: Yeah, I have a script written on my inside of my eyelids. Oh, that's good. Anywho. <laughs> so we'll start with the
0: cosmological. And the cosmological. Uh, yeah.
1: so, so then these so how what do they look like these are more logical arguments so we said cosmological is one Cosmos. what is it what is Cosmos. that this is the argument from the fact that anything exists at all and so
2: Any, it would look anyth- like this yeah and that anything we would say
1: it would say something like this and this aquinas states this very um famously and some and ever since then people have sort of been stating it his way anything that begins to exist must have a cause yeah Anything that begins to exist, okay, and so... That's you the put this in a chief little, claim right there, by the way. Time that's is, is the it not, big
2: claim. It, big claim. It's
0: not, then, that anything that exists... No. ...must have a cause. That's, it's the assumption that's how, of beginning to that's exist, That's how...
2: Right? It, well, no, it's not the assumption. Now you have to clearly state it because that argument is defeated by a straw man of it, which is often represented by Richard Dawkins as
0: it was in, but isn't, isn't in the, the God argument, delusion. isn't the argument, anything that begins to exist, called a variant of that, called the Kalam? No. Well,
1: No not necessarily. So anything that begins to exist must have a cause and this everyone would recognize otherwise it brought itself into existence that's not logically possible or it just boing suddenly popped into existence the universe is a thing that began to exist once upon a time people didn't necessarily think so so the medievals like Aquinas would have to make an argument that it did because other people would say well the universe always was and so therefore it's not a thing and incidentally the reason we don't just say Anything that exists needs a cause. Is, is, the very first question someone's going to ask you is, uh, so what caused God? Yeah, God exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's not the issue. Plus, logically, it's not. It's not necessarily true that anything that exists, you know, has a cause. That we, be, because anything we can imagine, things like God, for example, yeah, that didn't. That didn't begin, and therefore didn't need a cause. But everything that does begin needs a cause. The universe we now commonly easily say and almost nobody will disagree with it did begin to exist because along came you know hubble and the telescope and all the modern stuff and the big bang theory which really helps this argument which is
0: interesting because of most christians that a i know a lot of christians of, think the big hey, bang the big is bang, bad the big bang it is anti-christian
1: and, the, and and if if aquinas could have looked down the quarters of time and seen the that the big bang cosmology would take over and become the dominant man he would have stood up and applauded He would have given one big fat I told you so to all those other medieval guys who were in the disputing sessions yeah. with them when they made their long arguments. And the, incidentally, you know, all,
2: some of these medieval medieval guys were actually Christians that were oh, arguing. Definitely. So, I mean, M- it's not just an inherently were. atheistic thing to suggest that no. the universe... No, he had it um, out with other
1: monks and Christian believers, yes. believers that just didn't think his arguments Because that's all there were at that point, <laughs> right. really. I mean, there and, was something atheists. Beforehand, it
2: that, used
0: to be, at least before the Big Bang, a possibility was in the people's yeah. minds that things just always existed in some type of, like of set state. state. And I yeah. think
1: this Kalam idea actually comes into play there because... And it's an Arabic word uh, because the, some of the um, early Islamic scholars who came into Spain, and they were they were mostly Spanish men who just basically were co-opted. Yeah. Uh, and some of them came up with this idea. Again, they don't have telescopes. They don't have the Big Bang idea. They can't look into space. But they said that, that they made a logical case for the universe having to have a beginning, which is a little fairly complex. But the, if, the summary of it is that um, if... If the universe were infinite going into the past, you would have to transgress an infinite number of yeah. moments. You an can't transgress, transgress an infinite number. You cannot The can, present could never arrive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which is
2: actually a super, super, super simple argument. It's yeah. like if I never started writing a book, could you ever get to page two? That's right. No. That's, that's it right. in a nutshell. It's, just, right. it's just so basic. Yeah. It's such a it simple argument. How long would it take for argument.
0: a man to jump out of an infinitely deep hole? Yeah, know? exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. You can't.
1: So. So that's what they did there. So that's the Kalam idea. Obviously, I think the other one we mentioned, the design or teleology, much easier for us to at least grasp the idea. If a, if a thing clearly shows evidence that it must have been designed, that is, it has um, adequately intricate parts designed for a purpose. Irreducibly complex yeah. parts. Purpose. So that it, purpose is key. So that it seems pretty clear logically and intuitively that it's such a thing could not, would not, by blind and random processes, come yeah. together in order to accomplish that.
0: And Teleos and the teleological argument means the means it's end.
1: A, it's a Greek word that's in the New Testament lots of times. Yeah, yeah. the end or the end of the, or goal, the goal, or purpose. Yeah. Uh, the moral argument essentially is that um, that the moral intuition, the moral law, that which we all that is universal, within, is a universal. We recognize that there is some unwritten code or standard by which we judge everything all the time. We may not agree on all the details of the code, but we recognize it's there. It
2: can be expressed in different languages World in different compass. ways, but it's still, there's a some it's sort of a right? objective, universal. It seems to hang
1: over us. It doesn't seem that, that we transcendent. just it. It, That's right. Thank you. And that's, that's the argument. And so... Well, it's a theistic argument because it, it, it beckons it, it, for a judge and a,
2: and a personal someone who's personally engaged. And That's what right. You
0: said last time that this was your favorite. Why?
1: Why is that? I like it because I think it has immediate appeal and recognition. Because as soon, if you're talking about cosmological stuff and even the intricacies of design, some people kind of go, "Okay, maybe because it's not it's practi- too it, They don't for me see it as practical. Or, I'll have to read more on that. But when you appeal to the moral sense within people, they get it. They immediately grasp it because. They've been doing it all day today, you know, they've yeah, been yeah. making these judgments all day. They've probably made a couple of them in the course of your conversation before you even got to this point. People are, are hopelessly and incurably moral agents. They are always doing this. We so are moral agents. When like they start to think, <laughs> wait a minute, why do I do that? It's like Lewis says in the very beginning of Mere Christianity, he says people are always saying, this is right, this is wrong, that's fair, it's not fair, little kids do it, everybody does it. And he just simply asks people, why? What do we mean when we say that? And what, yeah. do we, what are we talking about? And such a simple thing as that can, I think, arrest a person in their tracks and make them wonder. And, and, and,
0: why. and once you entertain the contrary, okay, there's no God, yeah. therefore we have to get to the point, no matter what, you have to get to the point that there are really no moral absolutes. Right. And once you present them with that worldview... Again, it's just, I'm, it, I'm it's, not going to do it, and I'm not going to believe and, it. And
2: let's face it, it is it is probably one of the most, it's a cakewalk of have arguments. Have you ever seen anything good
0: against the moral argument? No, I never have. It's
2: a cakewalk, because all you have to do is, if they're saying, well, um, I don't agree with that, or who are you to tell me how to believe? If you're an honest believe? atheist,
0: where do you go with the moral argument?
2: Oh, you—an uh, honest atheist? Yeah. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> Seriously, I mean, let's go to somebody who just—is is there uh, listen, such a thing? Here, and I've heard a few instances here. Sorry, okay. and, and what I'm trying to draw out is that I have that's seen true. honest atheists who say there are no moral absolutes.
1: Right.
2: Well, That's—you mean a consistent, a consistent atheist. atheist? That's what yeah, you're there saying. Certainly
1: are those. In fact, some of my favorite guys, just because they're so—I I appreciate at least their candor. I can't unlike some others I, I I have little sympathy for the dishonest ones who predominate the field really because they will say things like uh, they're the Sam Harris's of the world they think that they can tie ethics Dawkins, to mere yeah. biological evolution as a as a useful thing yeah. and it and still keep it have their cake and still eat and it, yeah uh, there's no it.
2: free will but yeah. it's ridiculous. You, you have to make volitional yeah, choices like, like the, what are you what? so the
1: honest ones are usually philosophers I'm sorry I' just giving up to the, like Michael Roos. Michael Roos. The Russe. philosopher who basically, who said actually in, Michael in no uncertain terms, too. he said, yeah. morality is an illusion. Our genes played the trick on us to make us cooperate for the sake of the... And he just basically admitted it. It doesn't, there's no right, there's no wrong. Now, in any, and then he went so far as to say, but let's not let that out, let's not let that word get out too far, because yeah, yeah. I really want people to still think well, it's real. can really... you imagine if Yeah, everybody's... we don't
2: want to live inside the yeah. purge. Can you imagine you that. Know, that, we don't anybody, want that if, in a
0: world where people actually were consistent with this. I mean, it'd just be a world like the animals, you know? It Lions would be the purge.
2: Like, think of that. The purge has a
0: purpose, but th- there's no other purpose right. to stay alive. Well, I'm
2: saying the purge without a purge is just a free-for-all. You get yeah. to go, and you do... Well,
1: remember the abolition of man, another one where Lewis really teased this out a lot, and in which he referred to the moral laws, the Tao, the Tao. The, the term. Mm-hmm. And in the end of that book, the aboli- The reason he called it that is he said the, the path we're going down... When we when we eradicate this idea, because we think we're enlightened, we actually will think we've evolved, but we will have actually devolved. We will have stepped back from humanity's precipice, and we will have rejoined in an evolutionary the, scheme. The be- the, the beasts of the, the world, brutes, yeah. And and the our, and DNA <clears throat> wins, and we just you know we 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 descend back down. Yeah, he didn't level.
2: say it. Uh, it's anachronistic, but he would have said we're just dancing to our DNA at yeah, that right. point. Yeah, right. That's a Dawkinsian like, phrase yes. right there. So, so the
1: moral argument, I think, is is very powerful. And by the way, a lot of people who listen to this may recognize um, vestiges of that in the in this sometimes popular and unique evangelistic approach of, who's the Australian guy that go, goes around? Yeah. He goes around to public places with a bullhorn. Sometimes he's he's a real confrontational type guy. Yeah. He's
2: like old school street evangelism. He
1: I gotta I gotta no, give it to, us, it to no, him. Don't let this change your view. Of no, no 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 no. I got
2: I gotta hand it to him. He still does it old school. Like goes out hits to him the street to the
1: guts. Mm-hmm. it Takes and he's usually pretty polite about it. But it sounds offensive to, to to modern sensible ears, of course, because we're so tender. But what he does is he uses this moral thing. Hits his. his his approach in going out to try to do this public evangelism is mean, he just hits people straight up with the law. Yeah. He beats them yes. with it. Yeah. He just goes, you know, you know. He's like, Have you ever told a lie? You know, that's when right. With Austr- yeah. ever told a lie? You ever stolen anything? <laughs> <laughs> you ever been dishonest? <laughs> <laughs> you ever want to kill somebody? And then he's like, well, Why did you do that? Well, you were wrong, weren't you? I mean, that's not a knife. <laughs> that's not a knife. I- it's a knife. <laughs> Crikey!
2: For a sinner. Anyway, <laughs> the
1: two things
2: I've to for. <laughs> anyway.
1: So, that's. People may, may have heard that and seen him, and, and you're seeing at least some cousin to this classical approach. And he's not, he's not formally making the moral argument, but he's using that um, concept that he knows will resonate. He knows people will recognize it. Uh, so I think, anyway, maybe we've said enough about mm-hmm. the moral argument. But no, but
2: that's that's one of the pervasive ones. Is, now, there, is there another one? Uh, well, there is an ontological argument. Um, oh, and I think the problem is, is that it is a little too, um, what's the word? Esoteric, maybe and it, it's and out something there. About it's,
1: the ontological argument always seems to strike people as a as some kind of logical trick. Like yeah, it's a shell yeah. game. Like you're almost like you're
2: playing cheating some somehow. Sort, yeah. And but and
0: I, I felt like that too. But I've also felt like I'm just not quite quite smart enough <laughs> feel, to get it. You, know? you feel kind of dirty but inside. But the thing is, I don't think it
2: really is a, like the, like this uber intellectual argument. I, know I that, think it's that's pretty. That's because you're smart. No. No. no, no,
1: no, no, okay, g- no. G- what stri- is the argument? Let, Not for go you, ahead. Brainiac.
2: Clint, why don't you represent the so argument? Why,
1: so let's go back to the Middle Ages, shall we? And this time we go back to Anselm, ansel, right? ansel, who famously said, credo
2: ut, ut intellectum."
1: that you guys are so fond antelagom. of, of course. <laughs> fetus querns
2: and electum is Augustine. Oh. Right, Michael? What does he
1: say? Uh,
0: credo intelectum credo
2: is credo, Anselm. Credo ut intelectum. And
0: then fetus...
2: Fetus querns and electum yeah. is ansel. Augustine.
0: I mean, Augustine, you're right. Right. Yeah, because I had it
1: on the wrong place, because I used to have it above,
0: right by
2: Augustine. And I wrongly told you that it was, both of them were Anselm, but only one of them is Anselm. So anyway, keep keep going.
1: Anselm, another medieval uh, feller, uh, makes this argument, um, and in his sort of maybe just bare-bones version, it's it's all contingent on the very idea of God and what it entails. And, And notice it's all completely... Rational, uh, it can, is uh, completely you rational. You need no argument. specimens no. or uh, no, to present.
2: there are no physical properties it's, it's to observe, <laughs>
1: definitional almost. Yeah, and so what it says is that God, by definition, is a being greater than which none can be conceived. And so he starts saying, well, what would be the attributes of such a being greater than which you cannot greatest, conceive? Greatest conceivable greatest being. Greatest possible conceivable being. What would be those attributes? Well, they have to be infinitely great, infinitely powerful, infinitely wise. You have to have all the attributes in their maximal sense. For because, godness. Because if he's, Maximally perfect to, being. To fit the definition, because if he's a little short on one of them, then I suddenly can conceive of a greater being than him. Right. So, to be, so then he says, okay, what about this attribute? What about existence? What if he has all of those qualities you mentioned about his greatness his goodness his kindness his order, all the, but not existence well then now he's, he's no the longer the greatest then he, well then he couldn't have one those qualities that exists would be greater. now i can yeah. ex- i can conceive of one just like him only one with existence and he's greater so the Therefore, greatest possible being must be one that exists so, in a sense, it's like you're saying, by definition, he must exist. And now, already, people listening to that are going, that's cool, but... And, and you really have presented it well,
0: exactly the way it's been presented to me for years so and I years. It seems
2: like you're cheating. And I'll do you a step further on that. I'll say that 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 um, in order to even speak about anything, say, like, the flying spaghetti monster, for example, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. But in order to even conceive of it, there, it has its components, the sum mm-hmm. of the parts, you know what I'm saying, has to, or the parts have to exist. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. So in order to even be able to conceive of something, there has to be an existence for it. But I that's, think that's not a
0: variant of a later conception uh, of the
2: ontological. Uh, but do you? Yeah. Do you see what I'm oh, saying? Oh yeah, yeah. Does it yeah. make sense or yeah. does it sound I mean, like you, sophistry? I'm trying to
0: think of something right now that doesn't exist at all. You know. Well,
2: see, in the like, and like, so let's no, take the flying, the flying, the flying greatest
0: sp-
1: possible pasta. Well, the mm-hmm.
2: flying spaghetti monster. That's always the one the, that, that the atheists want to throw
1: the that Pastafarians out. Pastafarians' mom. Well, the
2: thing is though. Every component of the flying spaghetti monster has to exist for you to even speak of it. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So,
0: the meatballs, fries,
2: well, yeah, they, I they mean, they exist the in notion of possible, whatever a monster entails, the components of right. a monster eyes, teeth, whatever. And so, Ugh. ran up
1: against this immediately. Yeah. I mean, even his own contemporaries was it Guanilo or whatever who says to Who's him, What Christian? about the greatest possible island? Yeah, Christian, yeah. Yeah. you know, that you know, by the way, and I, I should mention that as much as it's taken a beating and it's still kicked around because it's fun to think about. Um, if anyone really just likes the idea and wanted to pursue it
2: Alvin Plantinga Plantinga yeah.
1: revived it and has made it a, a co- topic of conversation a among, among philosophers he, he again. He talks
2: of maximally perfect he beings. Tweaks That's where he tweaks
1: t- it somewhat. But he ends up saying, "Look, either God necessarily exists, or or it's impossible to he exist." He turns
2: it to into like a contingency That's argument, right. so
1: well,
0: yeah. and, and uh, of
2: sorts. That's a little bit different, though. It's
0: something that um, I mean, even Kant came up and you know gave his version of it as well uh, later on, didn't he?
1: He didn't think it was too hot to trot but I mean he he, uh, he kind of he restates it. All What's those interesting
2: arguments. is why would Kant even want to bring up that argument since it's in the noumenal anyway. Uh, so I think me
0: I think we talked about Kant during the uh, is,
1: yeah. No, well, well,
0: we'll what about
2: uh, our, right, I'll bring up Kant but Kant too I guess. Yeah, that's true.
1: What's so so have we are there any other uh, substantial arguments that we could... For there are others, but I don't know if we... Yeah, class- well, I mean, the
2: argument for truth argument for beauty. But truth is easy, too. That's a cakewalk. Yeah, That's even are, more of a cakewalk for beauty.
1: You know, I, I read then, one then, time, you know, like, the, what, moral the music argument. of Mozart exists, therefore God exists, yeah. things like that.
2: It's a little tricky, though, because... But yeah. what we're getting at, again, these are transcendentals. Mm-hmm. Truth, goodness, beauty. That overlaps very much with the presuppositional mm, because of the transcendental nature of it. but truth i think is even more of a cakewalk than um uh than the moral argument because what you do is say uh, objective truth exists therefore there has to be an objective truth together and the mm-hmm. moment someone seeks to disagree with you they are appealing to objective truth they're in order like the moment someone makes a truth claim about reality, even if they're saying in reality no God, God does not exist. Yeah. That's still a positive claim about reality. Uh, so they are still having to appeal to an objective. Nature well, here's what's brought so up in the critique it can't from it. It can get tricky though, because if people look at you like
0: what? Normally, yeah. you don't have a lot of evidentialists jumping on this. It's usually the classical. I mean, the presuppositionalists again, because they're they're so close in so many ways. But the presuppositionalists would say whenever they're talking about the classical approach, basically you you still haven't gotten far enough. You know, you. I see your syllogism, and, it, and it's and it seems clean, but what if there's something missing? Like, for instance, um, you know, the classical syllogism uh, is: uh, uh, if Socrates is a man, uh, and if man all is, is uh, mortal. Yeah. Uh, if if Socrates is a man and if all men are mortal then Socrates is mortal. And you look at that and you say, man, that's great because it's real clean and that's what the classical approach gives you, you know. If uh, if, if uh, what was the first one about the cosmological?
1: Right. Anything that begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist, exist, therefore. Right. But, but of but, course, uh, right. Uh, I know contingencies. Where
0: you're going. Contingencies. What what yeah. if we don't know about all men, you know? I mean, it's still yeah. an if. I didn't say it this way. Uh, Socrates is a man, all men are mortal, therefore Socrates is mortal. I said if, you know. And yeah, there's but always you don't this, have to, there's always this There's always this little yeah. if. No, no, I can't no, I can't say I, that I, all I, men are yeah, mortal.
2: Yeah, we can not say that. No, I can't say that.
1: I don't well, know by all definition. Men. I mean, if it's definitional then you can, otherwise, you know, I mean
2: If it's a tautology If, if it's a if a definition, I'm sorry, of what let is me let me say that man, closer yes, to the mic. If it's a tautology. If it's a
0: definition of what's being a man, then Yes, of course we'd say that. But that's not what the syllogism is presupposing. The syllogism is presupposing we have enough information to say that all men are mortal. And the argument would come in, yeah, we got a lot of information. we got tons of it. We've got history after history. But we don't really have every well, bit of information. What? It seems like, like Michael Patton has left
2: the room and David Jesus. Hume has joined us. What Jesus. on earth? No, no, I'm saying this is
0: what the criticism <laughs> would be from the presuppositional. And the presuppositional <laughs> would come in and say, yeah. mine has no holes. Yours still has holes. They're leaky. It's better than the evidentialist camp.
1: Yeah, I, but you're still okay. Leaky. If we're doing a if we're doing a criticism, which is what this sounds like, it is. I think the criticism would have to depend on who's what the classical apologist is claiming by these arguments. If um, if he's claiming that I will prove to you Christianity is the definitely true religious beliefs, you know this will prove it and then he lays the cosmological argument on you and then he even lays the teleological and then he even throws the moral one down mm-hmm. he, he overstated what he could prove yeah right because that that's christianity and, and back to hume i mean hume looked at the teleological argument and said um, it definitely it definitely is powerful to demonstrate something but but let's not say that it demonstrates things it doesn't because a team of divine beings could have right. not just or a divine beings who this could be a rough draft and they're gonna, or it could be an evil being who, who for a while gives you some good things, and then he's gonna make it. You don't know all the stuff the Bible reveals about God just by looking at nature. So, but if a classical apologist is responsible, then then he doesn't overstate his case. Mm-hmm. And which, and if he doesn't, then I don't. I don't think a presuppositionalist should have an issue with it. In other words, if you, if you say to the presuppositionalist, look, I recognize that this doesn't get me all the way to revealed Christian truth here, but it's consistent with the biblical portrait of the way reality works and therefore it helps. It's, 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 like, it's like pillars supporting all of this and the more I do it, the more it makes the picture look good. I don't even always agree, by the way, with some uh, classical apologists, sometimes I do think they'll overstate a little bit or I think they'll say They'll think they accomplished more than they did. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't want to be a new nitpicky, but like sometimes I've heard some of them debate, and they'll be like, um, "When we know, I'm going to make this case, and after that, you will have to admit there's a God." Then I, once I've got you there, now I'm let going me, to the evidence Let me give you the force. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The yeah we, oh, we okay. had, kind of have to. And uh, you know, we talk about this in theology alone when we talk about the difference between. Um, uh, general revelation and, and special, special revelation no doubt. No doubt. and in general revelation we could say we can get to God we can't I, I I want to go with a lot of people say that we can get to the trendy or we can get to that I understand what they're saying about the fellowship and all that but I'd say that the case is we can get to God in general revelation we could probably even get to a good God in general revelation even though there's so many bad things mm-hmm. but that's about as far as you can get right yeah and then you yeah. have to have something else that comes in and gives substantial uh, reason for us well, to, to say this is the God we're looking but at. But I,
2: I think you know the more I think about this, and the long the long, the more the interest that I've had in apologetics for now for over twenty almost twenty five years, and theology of the past fifteen ten years. Um, it's just, there's not just one way to come about knowing things. There's all these components to, to not, you know what I'm saying? There's all these components. And I think that that's why all and these people think differently. You and know? people I mean, do think differently, but I mean, uh, but it, it's just, I, I think you can employ different, like there's different conduits of truth. You know, yeah, they're different, yeah. there's different conduits of knowledge and there's no one sure if I bet, you know what I mean? There's not only one that's that, that's reliable. I think there's many reliable means of knowing that which is true, um, and knowledge, of having knowledge. So I think that um, uh, I don't quite know why I brought that up other well, than one, to say that there's different arguments that you can yeah. use that all come together. And
1: It's sort of a cumulative case, it is a being cumulative case. and being well-rounded. And also it's, like we said, I mean, what do you intend apologetics to be accomplishing? Sometimes a criticism of any of these views might be, well, that ain't evangelizing people, you know. Right. Okay, okay, fine. But did I ever state that that enter into, entering into these discussions, thinking about these things, even talking to people about them, that ever did I ever say that that by doing so that's evangelism? Well, um, well, let me no, ask you this: I, I do was, have one something I want to say though. Although it aids it, to that, it, and then you... it aids it and supports it. I think. And and shoot, sure, I mean, we're we're all doing something with our free time. What we read and talk about. You t- you only talk about hockey and watch The Bachelor. How's that helping? Right.
2: Well, yeah. I was going to say real quick and then go to you, but I think this is something that just the past few years has really kind of been heavy on my heart. That to use Christian Christianese, heavy on my heart. Yeah. Um, but it's that it's you don't burden. you don't just <laughs> it is it, you don't just engage in this for sport and these arguments for sport. I mean, it should a aco- it should accompany. gospel presentation hopefully because that's why you're uh defending your belief anyway Mm -hmm. uh now there is that 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 call to cast down that which sets itself up against christ but but you don't just do it for sport i mean it should be with the interest of really um, having that person or come to, to Christ like you're, when you're great, to... better,
1: like uh, like I'm smarter than you. I'm gonna put you in your or, place because I got or, cool arguments. You can't answer Or, I'm a
2: I'm a Christian, but I ain't dumb. Well, and it's that also in some thing, ways. I mean, even, I mean, even
0: like, even if you yeah. don't convince anybody, you are creating a cultural elevator music for people that is positive well, for Christianity. Yeah, but you, you know? don't and, want to leave bad. them. See, the thing yeah. is, you don't
2: want to leave them. That's the worst thing you can do is leave them with a the realization that their worldview is bunk. And if you if you leave an atheist well, then with then me, what it is, with nihilism, you've got to him with me, me you gotta leave them with Jesus. You see this what then, I'm saying? Okay. You have then to then leave them with the answer.
0: Approach, especially with the reformed people looking at the classical approach, they they often will say, "Wait a minute, guys. Here's your assumption, and it's bad. Mm-hmm. Your assumption is that you can get somebody to some type of neutral point." Where they all reason together, as if as if there's humanity and their availability to to acquiesce some part of their brain that is gonna reason correctly, and the presuppositions mm-hmm. go haywire in this with the classical apologist, and I say you can't do that. It is, I mean, you you can't lead them so the Holy Spirit doesn't come in and lead yeah. slowly. Or at least that's what they would say.
1: Well, and we should we should admit that while they may be a minority, there have been some. There have been those convinced by all these methods, sometimes famously so. Even with like uh, evidentialism, has its Anthony s- has its Simon Greenleafs of the oh, okay. world, lawyers, people who studied and found and were compelled. And obviously, um, the classical approach has had. I mean, even Lewis himself was, he? Um, and and to, and remember Anthony Flew, who we mentioned, who who sat under Lewis when he was a kid, but it was a lifelong Oxford atheist, and later in life with the Gary power Habermas, of uh, uh, his friendship, friendship with Gary, yeah. And you know Habermas, I think, would be the first to say, uh, with all of his colleagues at Liberty. I know those guys; how they they're, they're cumulative case guys. They don't they don't put all their eggs somewhere in and one basket. Say, yeah. This will get the job done. Yeah. But but they're trying to maintain a climate in which obstacles don't don't allow people to be barred or to confuse them. Um. And and you know, we don't want to be. I got to give an example. There was a guy. I, I heard a debate one time. When I was in Utah, we'd have these debates, with there'd be debates, public debates with Mormons. So, the worst thing I ever heard, it was a terrible example of this logical thing. A guy who had gone to Notre Dame, had studied under Plantinga, but he was raised Mormon. Well, now he's a philosopher, he's teaching at this community college. Totally analytical philosopher all the way. But he's raised Mormon, so he's going to defend it, even though I'd say he was the most liberal, weird kind of thinking Mormon. Mm -hmm. But, anyway, so he goes into this debate. Well... Who was he debating? Well, he's debating James White, apologist out of Phoenix, Arizona. One of the best debaters on planet Earth. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy comes loaded for bear, ready to rock and roll. And Mormonism's easy enough to, to trounce it's, it's on anyway. Fish so in a he he, yeah. he, j- he just got goes Mike Tyson on these floors. <laughs> <philosophy>. Anyway, <laughs> so he goes into the he goes in there. He drops it like like drops the hammer on Mormonism. This guy gets up, and again, he's an analytical philosopher. He throws down overhead slides of a long, copious, complicated argument with symbolic logic. <gasps> oh, my Lord. And I'm doing my best to follow it. I'm like, okay, okay, what's he saying? And I'm not so sure what the argument, but he switches slides. And, and, the, and I required people in my class. I, was, I started teaching there. And I required them to go like, for extra credit or whatever. To for figure assignment. that out. Yeah. No, I was like, go to this debate. I thought this would be great. Okay. <laughs> well, so many of the Mormons that went to the debate, the students, they said, well, I was just so disappointed in in the guy that was supposed to be representing Mormon, for because I didn't know I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> I didn't understand a word of it. It sounded like a bunch of philosophical mumbo jumbo. See, we should never be like that guy. Right. A Christian could be like that, couldn't he? Well, I mean, we easily could. You could roll yeah. in there and just start talking all the. Fancy-smancy. Yeah,
0: steamrolling sure. people and stuff, uh, you know, which you don't really quite understand. I mean, if you're going to teach it well, that's one of you understand it the best. And usually whenever you don't teach well, you don't have it situated in your but own mind But if you, if you understand
2: well. it, you'll be able to understand it to say and then translate. Say, translate. If you're going to go in that direction of using those technical terms, but... Uh, I think that's what you're getting at yeah. is that it, it it because there's no point then at that he like you, Lewis if, if who
1: can take who can be an Oxford that, mind that shell and off the top shelf. take it to the commoner right so that they can go hey wait I see that and I
2: see I see it and that's another thing too with apologetics you want people you don't want people to just know that you know stuff you want them to know what you know right. do you see what I'm saying you want that, that transfer of knowledge you want to in Give them your insight, not just let them know, hey, I not, know Yeah, stuff. because in some ways, so, like I
1: said, the first time you encounter those kind of people, it's not that they tell you what, you what to think about everything. They tell you how to start thinking, and you'll start thinking different. You'll become a critically minded person. And that's important. After that, and that changes your that's life. That's
2: part of the greatest commandment to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind.
0: Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.